Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. All right, what is up, everybody? Y'all doing good? It feels so good to be here right now. Um, and some of you don't, don't uh, recognize the degree of what I'm saying. Like, it feels so good. Like, family reunion, maybe that'll help give you the idea of like coming back and you're just welcomed and uh, there's a lot of, lot of feels going on. It hits you all in the feels or whatever the kids say. I'm, I'm there, whatever they're talking about. I know what they're talking about because it's like real. It's good. It's like, oh, I miss, you know, it's like the crying, the ugly crying, the what, I don't know what I feel, but humbled for sure, excited, grateful. If it wasn't for this church, neighbor's church wouldn't exist. If it wasn't for you all believing in us, like I'm saying this for real, for real, for a fact, if it wasn't for the generosity, the love, the belief. A year ago, I stood on the stage and said, pray for me. Like that was, and and you all gave. We were able to move to Florida to start this new life-giving church because of you. Like th- this, things are happening because of you. Just this last Sunday, we had a at this gathering. This guy came in. His name is Justin, and he's about my age. He's uh, he's he's uh, not dishonorably discharged from the military because he jumped out of an aircraft on purpose. Uh, he's in the Air Force, and he but he broke his um, he messed up his back, and now he's he can't work anymore. And but they're paying for him. But he has this incredible back pain. That's the point. At the end of our gathering, we prayed for him, and God healed his back. God took away the pain in his back. And so that's just one testimony. You were a part of that two weeks ago or two months ago. We baptized somebody. Our first neighbor's church baptism. It was incredible. We did it at the beach. We're in Florida. And I, I kid you not, I didn't share this with a lot of people, but the dude showed up wearing a Hooters shirt. I was just like, for real, dude? And he was like, this is the only like long sleeve, look like wetsuit or whatever they call them. I was like, bro, for real? And then we were joking, we were gonna baptize, and it was gonna come up and it was gonna be a Chick-fil-A shirt. <laughs> it didn't happen. But we took the picture and I like dubbed, I, was, I should have it, but I like stood in front. I'm like, we're bleeping, blurring this out. Um, but... Um, but anyways, I'm so grateful. I wanted you to know the impact, your generosity, your love, your support. I literally look around the room. I see so many people that believe in us. Like, you know the power of belief? Like, if someone believes in you and to have a group of people believe in us, I can't emphasize, I can't explain how much that does for us. And the fact that you all are pray- that so many people are praying for us. And you know where my prayer request was a year ago? We stood here, said, pray for us. I said, yeah, we need, we need provision We need um, open doors. We need favor. But I I simply said this. I'm going to say it again as a prayer request. Pray that we will trust God. Trust God more than yesterday. Pray that we will have the the faith to trust God more. that, That we will put our faith in Jesus more than ever before. Like that is what I want. That is my deepest desire. And that is my prayer request for for this body today. Um, a quick update, then we're going to jump into the gospel and politics. Caleb gave me an easy one. Um, thanks for that. Um, but I'm praying God speaks to us. Um, and so quick update. We moved to Florida. It is all the things that it's, it's uh, said. That it's really humid. It's really hot. I wrestle an alligator off my porch every morning. 
His name's Harold. Um, my wife decided Harold is a good name for an alligator. That's a spiritual gift that she has. I don't know if she's, where she at? But she, she literally has a gift of naming, like, like if it's like a lizard, she's like, that's Frank. And it's like, yeah, it looks like a Frank. Like, that's just a gift she has. You guys know. So if you know, you know. Um, but it's, it's amazing. We're, we're, you know, really close to the beach. We're in Tampa Bay. We're in like the Bay Area. They call it the Bay Area. I didn't know that. Like, this was the Bay Area, you know, San Francisco Bay. But this is like the better Bay Area. Like, I'm just telling you, like, I lived in California all my life. This is by far the better Bay Area. I may have offended some people in the room. Mission accomplished. It's better. Just, just don't knock it till you come out and check it out. Because it's sunnier, it's happier, it's cleaner, it's better. The water, I, so I swam in the ocean every month of the year. In December, I was on the way to the beach, and I was like, I wonder what the water temperature is in, in California. And I Googled, what is the warmest it gets, let's say in San Diego, like the warmest probably in California. And in December, it was warmer than San Diego at, in August. So I'm just like, it's, it's awesome. Like San, so, so I'm just giving you a little picture of my life. Just to, This is unrelated to politics for sure. But, um, but uh, we live 10 minutes from the beach. It's a blessing. And... Um, and every, because all I've known is like, it's two hours to the beach. It's a full day excursion. But the first week or the, first, the second day after dinner, we went to the beach the first day. And the second day it was, we were like having dinner. And I was like, wait a second, we're 10 minutes from the beach. It's not like a big excursion. We're having dinner and we we're just like, I was like, hey, who wants to go to the beach? And I just grabbed some of our kids and we, we went to the beach. It was awesome. Like, that's how easy it is. Um, so... Maybe that is coming from a place of incentivizing. Maybe God is calling you. Pray about it. Pray about it. Be part of Neighbors Church. Um, Sign-ups are in the back. I used that joke last time, and it got the... Oh, here's the other joke. Veronica just told me to... She approved of me bringing it up again. I said, it's called Neighbors Church, but then I, I joked last time that it was gonna be called Zamora Church because we didn't know what it was gonna be called. And do you remember it? Some people may, because everyone needs Zamora Jesus. But someone came up to me and was like, I really feel God is telling you to call it Zamora Church. And I was like, I really feel God saying that was just a joke. I ain't, I ain't doing that. So y'all need Zamora Jesus today? Yes, all right, we're doing it. Um, so Keep praying for us. God's doing some great stuff. We have a vision for Neighbors Church as to be different. And I don't just mean different in like for different sake. I just maybe a better word is uncommon, an uncommon structure, an uncommon even schedule, like practically speaking. We're called just to be, be a little different. And uh, I said this in the first service. Someone told me like after sharing this vision with them, they're like, if anybody's gonna do something different, it's you, Lauren. And I was like, okay, thanks, I guess. Yeah, thanks, I'm different, yeah. And I get it, I am different, my wife's different, we're built different, but I think that means something else. That's, but, um, but the vision for it, real quick, and then we're gonna jump into the word, is, uh, is a, a multitude, uh, these small gatherings, dozens of, of these small churches that meet every week in homes, art studios, gyms, coffee shops, and uh, that's, the, that's church, but I love this. I don't wanna, I still value this large group gathering, and it's just something we feel like God's placed on our heart to have this weekly small but monthly large. So, so weekly, there's all throughout St. Petersburg, which is the area where we know God's put on our heart. 
we, we just see this. We see dozens of these small communities that, that there's, and, we're, and our heart is to equip the pastors, equip leaders, equip everyday people who have a nine to five, but they have this calling to, to, to pastor. They have a gifting to lead others and to disciple. And that's just the vision that God has, has led us to. Uh, uh, the big thing, and careful what you pray for. Like, that is true. Like, I've heard that before, but like, ate those words for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, it is true. Careful what you pray for. But also, this is what I pray for. I asked you guys to pray that I would trust God more. And what God did was provide me the opportunity to trust God more. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't just do it for you. He doesn't just puppeteer you. But he gives you the opportunity. It is your choice and that's what we've experienced. And what we've said is our verse is Proverbs 16, 9, which man plans his ways. And me and V are planners. Like if you know us, we're like really good at planning stuff. It's like, yeah, we're good at planning. But the scripture says man plans his ways. But then the second part of it is where it hits his home and it's challenging. We're good at the first part. The second part of that verse says, but the Lord directs his steps. And so what that means to me and what, what it emphasizes to me is like, God's not saying, hey, don't make plans. He's saying, make the plans and take the steps. And in mid-step, sometimes God's directing your step over there. And I can't tell you how hard that is, but without your prayer, without your belief in us, without your support, it wouldn't be possible. And, and that, that's the process we've been in of taking a step, literally moving our family of six across the country, 3,000 miles to a place. We don't know anybody there, like, or we didn't know anybody there. And we're forming a team. There's been people that, that I could spend the rest of the time here talking about God's opening doors. God just keeps us giving us keys to buildings. It's crazy. God, God is moving, and it is not us. So I, I, I'm saying all this to say thank you and to ask for prayer. Um, but I want to jump into scripture here. Again, Caleb asked me to preach on politics. Like that was, I, I stopped and I was like, do you know me? I, I know you know me, Caleb. We've been hanging for 13 years and you want me to preach on the gospel and politics. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let's go. Because if you know me, I'm, I, I don't watch a lot of news. I'm not very like political when you think of it. I'm not very like, checked in and, and knowing what's, what's going on all the time. True story, this is, this is a humbling, transparent moment with you all. So no judgment, scripture says, judge not, yet ye be judged. So let it, let it just preface. Uh, there was, in 2020, y'all remember 2020? Yeah. So there was a meme, which that may have been the best thing about 2020. It produced this opportunity for all these hilarious memes to come out. But one of the memes was uh, something about, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, I'm glad 2020 happened because now everybody knows who our governor is. And I was like, nah, yeah, some, some people don't even, don't judge. That was me. I was talking about me. And I'm not defending myself. I want to be clear because we're going to talk about some like I don't know, some dicey, some edgy stuff. I'm gonna be kind of walking on eggshells. But the cool thing is, I ain't gotta be here next week. I just come in. <laughs> and I'm out. And Caleb's gotta clean up the rest. So, no, I hold him back today. Um, but I'm not defending myself on me checking out. I wanna make that, sh that clear. I just never been interested. And I have this struggle with the degree of checking in, checking out, being aware of what's going on, how to pray for it. 
But here's, here's the ultimate question, and I, I need to speed this up because I got a lot of scripture and I'm praying that this is not just information. Like I think some of us came here today with like, ooh, what does the gospel have to say about politics? This is dicey, this is gonna heat things up. I wanna see what's going down. I wanna see how he handles this. Um, I, I pray it's not just information. And, and largely, I pray it's not my opinion. I've, as I was preparing, I'm like, God, I wanna remove my opinion as much as possible. And I'll try to preface it when I do insert my opinion of what I feel like God's, God's put on my heart to share. But my heart is always that you go back to the word. Like, that's what I think a good sermon is all about, is not that you're just like hyped out of your mind and like, that was amazing. And uh, like, that was so good, pastor. That was amazing. But like, it challenges you to dive deeper into the word. Like, you know how like there's, a, there's like this amening idea, like, yeah, that was good. You know, like there's the shouting down call and it like feeds. I, I realize a lot of pastors do that, like that. And I like it too. But I think what I like more Shouting down is like, that was good, pastor, but I have some questions. I'm gonna get digging into the scripture later. I'm gonna talk to my wife about it. We're gonna pray about it. And I'll be like, yes, thank you for that shout back. Like that's is what, that's what I wanna hear. It's a little awkward to do, but essentially that's what I, what encourages me. That's, that's kind of what my goal is always when preaching is like it would cause you to dive deeper into scripture. Like maybe something like rubs you the wrong way today. Good, like go to God about it. Go to God. If this is calling you, you have access to God. And so that's always my heartbeat. But, um, but so what does the gospel have to do with politics? That's, the, that's kind of the question we're going with. And what, what is our role as Christians? What is our role as Christ followers? Like how, how do we look at this? And I'm a very analytical person. One time I thought that, like, I don't like labels. I'm like, am I an analytical person? Let me find the definition of what analytical means and cross it with the cultural connotation. And somewhere in there, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I can stop. That's, that's me. Um, but I think it's important to clarify. I really value, like, what are we talking about? I'm always, like, defining words. Like, what, what are we talking about here? Like, what, what does the gospel mean? What does politics mean? So if I was to ask you this, again, like trying to get your brain working yourself, maybe you'll dig into this later. What, what does the gospel actually mean? If you're thinking good news, you're correct. That's, that's literally what the Greek word means. It's the good news. So it's the announcement. But what is it the announcement of? What news, what's the good news we're talking about? If you're thinking Jesus, boom, Sunday school answer, always Jesus. You're right. But... Take it a step further. What's Jesus doing? What about Jesus? What's the good news about Jesus? Ultimately, it's about him bringing about the kingdom of God. What does that mean? That is a governmental structure. That is a governmental concept. The kingdom. We don't live in a kingdom, so it's, diff it's massively different. But it's also massively different because it's not an earthly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. He's bringing about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is king of kings. And so this, I'll say in the first service, this is like a major Jesus juke, but definitively, I'm gonna say this, I could probably get stoned, y'all bring your stones, you might, might need to duck and dodge here, but here's what I'm gonna say, hear me clear, definitively, that means by the literal definition of politics, meaning the governing of a people group, that's what politics actually means. That means the gospel is a very political statement. Someone's gonna like just cut that clip out without the preface and the context and then I'm gonna blow up as a heretic or something like that. 
I'm cool with it, whatever you guys want to, want to do. But here's why, why I believe that, I, and I hope you guys follow, follow what I'm saying, is politics means the governing, the activities, that's the, that's the Webster definition, is the governing or the activities associated with the governing of a country or people group. That's it. Now, there's another cultural connotation that most of you probably thought of first, which actually I wanted to, to, to find this quote, and I feel like this is the, uh, is the cultural connotation. Like, this is what people say, and no, I've never heard it defined this way. This is the, that was the Webster's definition, but Patrick Lencioni in his book, um, Five Dysfunction of, of a Team, talks about politics, and it's usually like office politics. And so here's what, what I don't mean when I say the gospel is political that they're inseparable. I don't mean this definition, which says God, politics is when people choose their words and actions based on how they want others to react rather than based on what they really think. So it's about positioning, smoking mirrors, campaigning, kissing babies, like this manipulation and not representing truth. That is not what I am saying. The gospel is not that definition of politics. Again, I really value being clear, so that's why I'm spending a little bit extra time with this. So if, you know, Caleb essentially asked me to preach on what do the gospel and politics have to do, they're inseparable, definitively. But what about the earthly politics? What about this idea of like voting left, right, the parties, the division, the worry, the distraction that comes up, the, the deep breath you take and the cringing bracing yourself when it comes up at Thanksgiving and that weird uncle is invited and he, you're ready, he's ready to go off. Like that type of politics, that definition of politics, like what do we do as the church? I feel like my answer is like super short and maybe it's like overly simplified, but maybe that's a good thing. Like what, what is our job as Christians like in, in politics? It's the same thing as you answer anything. Our job is to pray. Do you know scripture calls us to pray for our leader? Like our leadership, it, it, call, it calls us to pray for at all levels. Our church, we need to pray for our leadership. We need to pray. Are you regularly praying for Caleb and Chrissy? Are you regularly doing that? Because they need it. I know it because actually after stepping in yesterday or two days ago when I met with Caleb, I'm like, hey, when you stepped into the role of lead pastor, did you experience this vastly, different, more immense amount of spiritual warfare on your life? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, bro, I mean, I kind of knew that, but I didn't expect it to this degree. So pray for, your, pray for your leadership, but also pray for every level, the state, the county, the city, and at the national level. Do you pray for your president? Unpopular opinion, really quick. I don't think we should make fun of our president because if we're called to pray for our president, I think it's, it's hard to pray for someone that you're dishonoring to. Scripture also says, I have, I have a few of them, so you guys can re maybe we'll just reference them and go back to them, um, kind of flowing with it. First Timothy 2, 1 and 2, says pray for all of them, so you can write that down if you want in a second. First Timothy, or no, First Peter 2, 1 and 7 says to honor the emperor. So like Peter literally felt empowered by the Holy Spirit to say, yeah, you know the emperor, the one that's oppressive, that there's injustice happening, that it's, that it's not fair, that you don't agree with, honor him. So unpopular opinion. I think it's hard to honor someone if, if there's, and I love a good joke, if I come across the, as the guy that's like, oh man, he's too intense. I'm okay with that too, because I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. Um, so so that, that is what I believe. Like, what is our role? We need to pray. That's the first thing. 
Like we need to pray, it's that simple. We need to pray and then as things, like I'm not justified in me checking out so much. I have made attempts at becoming more engaged and I wanna talk a little bit about that in a second, but we're, we're called to pray. Like pray about these things that are coming in and, and vote. Did you know 80 million people don't vote in America? And then some people say like a third of that are Christians. Like we have a voice. Scripture says in Romans 13 to be subject to the governing authorities. Like this is, this is how scripture calls us. This is the main scripture. Like scripture calls us to be in relation to the governing authorities, the government. We're to be subject to it. That means to be submissive. But being submissive does not be, mean being silent. And I think so many Christians, I've heard about it, like, nah, I just check out. I don't vote. Do you know like other countries, there's dozens of them, they don't have the freedom the privilege to let their voice. They're just, what, what happens, happens. And could you imagine them coming and talking to you and you're like, yeah, I don't vote. They would be appalled. They'd be blown away. It wouldn't be absurd. It wouldn't make sense to them. So like very simply, like practically, please pray and engage. Pray and vote. Look over the ballots. Look over these things and pray as a family. Pray together and say, God, which way are you leaning, calling us? Which, where is truth? And read scripture. So pray and then read scripture. Boom, mic drop, that's all you need to know. Like what do the gospel and politics, how do I engage in politics? Like pray and read your Bible. (laughs) That's as simple as it is. Pray and read your Bible. But I wanna talk about three concerns I have with with this idea of politics and the enemy actually using them. Because here's what I believe. I believe we need and God is calling us in this age, in this time, even in this city, even in this church specifically, to not be aligned with anything but the kingdom. I believe he is calling us to make it a priority. And I, and I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to some of us today to align ourselves to the kingdom, to make it a priority of my perspective. My identity isn't to the left or to the right. My identity is not this. That is not who I am. My identity is first and foremost a child of God. And I'm setting my eyes on the kingdom that is above, that is the governmental structure that is above any of this earthly governmental structure. And when you do that, everything changes. And I've sensed that we lack this kingdom perspective. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, this is the kingdom perspective I'm talking about. If we do this, a lot of things will be different. And I believe there's so much mission. There's so much impact. It's not just, it's not about getting it right. It's about bringing the kingdom of God from heaven to earth as Jesus prayed. It is about kingdom. It is about lives changed. It is about the kingdom being brought to, and let's talk about what that means. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Let's, let, let's go there. If then you have been raised with Christ, if you have, have you been raised with Christ? If you put your faith in him, So if you have, awesome, then seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Seek the things, set your minds on the things that are above, not the things that are on the earth. What are are the things above? I know like there's there's this kind of relative concept of heaven being above and that's throughout scripture. It's talking about heaven. What does heaven represent? Heaven represents eternity. So when I read this scripture, I hear that that setting your mind on the things above 
means thinking this, asking this question, what matters in eternity? What matters in eternity? I can tell you a lot of things that don't matter. A lot of things. A lot of things that we care about. They will not matter in eternity. It, 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 your, your, your followers, your reputation, your stuff, your possessions, your materialism. Alex, I saw you're preaching on materialism a couple weeks. Don't miss that. I, I secretly wanted that one, but you got it. <laughs> materialism, those things don't matter. Like in eternity, a, a pastor said a long time ago, there's no U-Hauls on the back of a hearse. Slowly, slowly going across the room. I see it. What matters in eternity is how you serve people, how you love people, how you bring about the kingdom of God. And we are focused on the earthly things. So here's, here's three things that, that I believe are, are, are my concerns. And, so, and, and that's what I feel like the Lord wanted me to share with you. These three things that are a symbol of our lack of a kingdom perspective like a kingdom, this is governmental, like we're, we're worried, we're, we're feeling like we're divided, we're feeling like people ask us these, these divisive questions. But here's what a kingdom perspective will do. Number one, it will replace this debilitating worry with overflowing hope. Like we are worried about way too much. Um, and, and did you know worry is a sin? Raise your hand if you worried this last week, like last seven days. Raise your hand if you worried. Raise your hand if you're dishonest right now. <laughs> I, I thought repentance was a one-time thing when I got saved. I'm like, I repented. I gave my life to Jesus. I asked him into my life. I asked him to forgive me of my sin. Good to go, baby. Like, I'm set. But sin needs to be repented of. Can we normalize daily repentance? Like if, if we're worried, that is a sin. And that is a sin because it's a lack of faith in God. And so if, if you worry, if you feel anxiety and worry, see that as a sign to pray. Just teach, teach that muscle memory in your body to say, if I have worry, that's my sign to pray. Because that's what Philippians 4 says. It literally says, do not worry about anything. Scripture wouldn't put it in there if it wasn't like that. It, the reason it's sin is sin means missing the mark. Like, I've missed that mark a lot. Do not worry. I've worried a lot. Sinned. Daily repentance. But instead, pray. But what do you pray about? Everything. Easy. Pray about everything. And so why I feel like this is in this conversation of the gospel and politics is we worry way too much. And that is a lack, that is a sign of a lack of faith. When we get so uptight, when, when we become overcome and we allow worry into, this, into our heart, because you know you are the gatekeeper of your heart. You don't, you're not a victim of the things that come at you. Like you have the power of Jesus. Like you are walking in the authority. You are walking in the victory that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. That's the gospel. So if we wanna know what does the gospel have to do with politics, that means walking in the truth, the good news of Jesus means we don't have to let the worry of politics into our life. I think we become so consumed. It's really clear to, to hear this. I don't need to go into it. But it's really easy to see how much, wor how much politics causes worry in people. 
It like, it just does. They're, they become worried, and that is a sign that we don't trust. We're saying, this person got elected, not this person. This bill passed, not this, and we become worried. And that means we forgot the truth that God is on the throne, yo. Jesus rules and reigns. That is the gospel. He is sovereign. And he even, scripture even says that he appoints people. He oversees this. Jesus isn't saying, oh no, this bill didn't pass. This person got elected. I gotta have this backup plan. I gotta scramble. Do you think God is really doing that? I think we need to say out loud what we're thinking more. Have you ever done that when you say something out loud or someone asks you, like, what are you feeling? And then you say, well, when I say it out loud, it kind of feels dumb. That's because the devil doesn't want you to say it out loud. Like that's because it, it, it informs you, it becomes apparent how you're believing a lie and you're not focused on the kingdom. When you say it out loud, it's like, okay, well, let me correct this and recognize that Jesus is on the throne, I don't need to worry. And it will replace it with an overflowing hope that Jesus rules and reigns. The second thing that it will do, when we have a kingdom perspective and that Colossians 3.1 perspective, is that we'll replace unnecessary division with empowered unity. Empowered unity. There's a lot of unnecessary division. This may be the easiest one. I don't even need to make an argument for it because you guys are like, oh yeah, it's already, you, you're going there. It's, it's if, the, if the devil had like a goal, it would be to keep us divided because he knows the power of unity and the strength of the church. A united church scares the devil. Like he's worried, he is the one worrying when we are united. And instead of looking to the earthly things, we look to look our eyes, set our eyes above and recognize this is the main thing. Stop making the small thing the main thing. That is a word for someone. Stop making the small things the main things. Look, set your eyes on the kingdom. Have a kingdom perspective. And what that will do is replace this unnecessary division. Like it's just unnecessary. And the devil's like, I don't care what you're divided on as long as you're divided. But it will replace that with empowered unity when we look to the cross, when we look to Jesus, when we look to him and say, the, the goal here is the kingdom of God. Is like Jesus prayed, kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And, and I think we need to learn this phrase. We can disagree with each other and still be friends. Did you know that? Like some people just like didn't know that was possible. I don't know how many times I've, 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 I've met with people in our, in our community in Florida and there have been some dicey topics. Like there's, there's people that feel a certain way and I, don't, and I disagree and, we, and I just stop and say, hey, just to let you know, we can disagree and still be friends. And they're just like, oh, really? <laughs> what a concept. Did you know Jesus prayed that we would be unified that we would love each other in a way that makes the world, not, I'm not even talking about loving our neighbor as ourselves and loving those that aren't in the faith. I'm talking about loving right here, loving our, our brothers and sisters in Christ in such a deep, unifying way that makes the world look at us with their jaw dropped and say, I want whatever that is. Like, are we seeing that right now? I don't know, I hope so. I hope so. And that's what a kingdom perspective will do. We need to go that way if we're not there right now. And that's my concern with, with politics. It's divisive by nature. But 
Our role is looking to heaven, looking at the kingdom of God, prioritizing that. And lastly, a kingdom perspective will replace distraction, pointless distraction, with focused mission. And I, I genuinely believe, I felt this this morning in prayer, is that there is a call on this church, Project Church. And I remember hearing this years ago, um, and it was, it was about the position. I believe we're positioned for massive influence. And I say we, I'm not gonna stop saying we when I refer to Project Church. This church, we are positioned for massive impact. And I remember Caleb saying this, and I believe it was in context as they were starting the church. I remember him praying this years ago. Is that, and it's a saying, I'm probably getting it wrong, but so goes California, so goes the nation, so goes the nation, so goes the world. Like it's, people are looking. And like, how far are we from the Capitol building? How many churches are in old Sacramento? And I believe it's the mix of that with the unique giftings of leadership. And I'm speaking this prophetically over, over this house, over, this, over Caleb and Chrissy, is you all are positioned for massive impact, greater than, I believe it's like the iceberg. It's like you guys have seen a tip of it, but 90%, you haven't even, you haven't even touched the surface of it. So big because of your heart, your welcoming, the unity that you guys value, the mission, the commissioning that you guys do, that you are, that you are, you have the heart to empower and equip and launch and I believe that we're positioned as a church to make massive influence. But if we, if we get too worried, if we get too divided, it's not gonna happen. If we get distracted, but I believe there's a commissioning that needs to happen. We're focused on mission. What is the mission is what we are commissioned to do. Matthew 28 is the great commission to go and make disciples. Like that is the mission. Have we gotten distracted from it? That is the mission. Are we so, and I wonder if the devil's going like, I don't care what you're distracted about as long as you're not making disciples, as long as you're not seeing the opportunity that you have to pray and to believe for miracles, as long as you're not doing what you're called to do, as long as you're not reading scripture on your own, as long as you're not praying together as with, your with your wife or your husband or if with your kids and not teaching them the scripture and not engaging and praying and, and believing for miracles, as long as you're not doing that, as long as you're distracted, then I'm good. I think that's what the enemy is saying in this season. And I believe God wants to remind us, look to the, looking above Colossians 3.1, Look, setting our mind on the things above means that we are going to live on mission and not distracted. And so of worry, of division, of distraction, those are all sins. And I wanna normalize daily repentance. Can we do that? Like it's not a one time and I'm good. Like I've been repenting every day this past year because of how much I see my lack of faith. Like I wanna believe. And I believe there's some people like that man with his son that, was, that needed healing. He said, Jesus, I believe but there's also some unbelief in there, so help my unbelief. If you're here in this place and you're like, well, I wanna believe, but I actually recognize if I take an honest audit of my life, there's a lot of lack of faith, there's a lot of worry, distraction, and even division in my life. And I need to repent of that, and I need to ask Jesus to help my unbelief. I believe this is for you. And so I just wanna ask you to just bow your heads in prayer in this moment, I just wanna want to pray over you, but I don't want you to just listen. I want you to pray. Can we just say, I know I raised my, I had you guys raise your hands. I was like at the altar call like 20 minutes ago. Who's worried? 
Like we need to repent. Everybody in this place, we need to repent of worry, distraction, division. I wonder if God's stirring up a revival of repentance that recognizes in humility, I am desperately daily in need of a savior. I am insufficient. Lord, I pray that you would stir up a revival of repentance in this place. Even now in this moment, just ask Jesus for forgiveness. Say those words, Jesus, I have sinned. I've sinned of worry, I've sinned of distraction, I've sinned of division. God, help me, help my unbelief. Help me see your kingdom. Help me look to the things and set my mind on the things that are above and not on this earth. I pray anointing on this house draws close to you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.